0: Yep. How about that? With the second pick in the 2011 NFL Draft, the Denver Broncos select Von Miller, linebacker, Texas A&M.
1: He's the greatest ever, huh? And then I just wanted when to... You make... got all the advantages? Welcome to the Aggie Warpod, a product of the Republic of Football Podcast Network and Dave Campbell's Texas Football. I'm your co-host, Mike Craven, senior writer at DCTF. The other voice you'll hear on this podcast is a barbecue-eating machine who won't shy away from a road trip or an off-key rendition of Creed. The former Fighting Texas Aggie defensive lineman arrived in College Station as a three-star prospect back in 2013. He now resides in Houston, but his heart never left. Ladies and gentlemen, Reveille, I present the one, the only, Jay Arnold.
0: Oh, man, uh, what what a Sunday. What a way to wake up today. Uh... You know, I thought, you know, things are going to kind of calm down for me now that NASCAR season's over. But uh, my first offseason Sunday uh, since NASCAR ended uh, did not go to plan.
1: We, of course, (laughs) are here on an emergency podcast uh, because A&M is ball eligible. Uh, Six wins with a 51 to 10 win over over Mississippi State, a a big time in Texas A&M football. Uh, But then something crazy happened. Jay Arnold, uh, Jimbo Fisher was fired um sometime in the morning billy lucci uh first to get that one out this morning that that was going to be a possibility that the regents met on thursday pretty much made a decision and ross put out a statement um pretty much confirming it he's going to have a press conference at 5 p.m on sunday this is around 3 p.m on sunday so just uh, just kind of a whirlwind situation there. You go from kind of watching AM win 51 to 10. And it's like, hey, that was one of their better performances with a third string quarterback, you know, beating a beating an SEC team uh, to all of a sudden kind of the the elephant in the room that we have been talking about, you know, occasionally on this show for even the last couple of weeks. So what were your first reactions? It's, it's seven o'clock in the morning. Um, you kind of get up, you're looking through your phone, kind of how would that play out for you?
0: Yeah, uh, very hungover in Nacogdoches after the SFA game. And uh, literally the first thing I I saw in that dark hotel room was the news that uh, (laughs) Jimbo was. I mean, it's not necessarily a surprise, but I think the timing of it is a little bit surprising. Uh, I mean, we've been talking about this back and forth for, like you said, multiple weeks now. Uh, I mean, it was a possibility going into the season. Uh it, it's just it felt so weird after, like you said, one of the best performances by AM this year in a 51-10 victory. Uh you know, it's I mean, my, my only thought here is that AM was searching pretty hard already for whoever's gonna be the next coach. And I I feel like they probably just already have an answer. Uh, and that was the reason the move was made.
1: The timing does feel to be the only surprising part of this news is there's two games left in the schedule. They did play well yesterday. They just became bowl eligible. It happened so early on a Sunday, but I if I was surprised, it was pleasantly surprised. Like this is how you do it, right? Like we've talked about for weeks on the show, you can go back and listen uh, to multiple podcasts. I wrote about it in my four one one last week. Uh, This wasn't a $76 million decision. We'll talk about the buyout in a little bit. This is a $10 million decision. Like unless you thought Jimbo was going to be the coach, through 2025 or something like that. Like this was a, a, a win, not if situation. If you are AM, you want to be first into the pool on the coaching ser- uh, carousel this year, you kind of announce yourself as the big job and have all the candidates out there before anybody else has gone through a coaching search or maybe nabs the guy that you want. And so, it felt like the right way to do. It. I, I was pleasantly surprised. It was like, oh, okay, good. You know, like that. That's how they should do it. They and like you, my first thought was they must knew, know who they want or have a couple of names uh, where they know who uh, where they want. I wanted to read uh, Ross Bjork's statement, the athletic director at Texas A and M, real quick. Uh, this was sent out at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. After very ca- careful analysis of all the components related to Texas A and M football, I recommended to President Welsh and Chancellor Sharp. That a change in leadership of the program was necessary in order for Aggie football to reach our full potential and they accept my decision. We appreciate Coach Fisher's time here at Texas AM and wish him the best in his future endeavors.
0: <laughs> uh, I love the way that's worded. No offense to Russ Bjork, but I think we all know that he wasn't necessarily the one who made that decision.
1: Uh, <laughs> I love yeah, the idea of like him alone in a room, like coming yeah. to this realization, like on his own, like light bulb situation above his head.
0: Yeah, I think I think Godfrey was the one that pointed out that uh that uh it, it's it's not the athletic director's decision there. The uh, the athletic director at AM caters to the the football team, uh not necessarily the other way around. Yeah, uh, he
1: usually works for the football team and and to a greater extent works for all the people who make the decision to pay 70, somebody seventy six million dollars to not coach. Exactly. Uh I think that's my dream job. But uh, uh You it's not know bad work it,
0: if you can get it not bad at all no but it's i mean look we we've talked about it it's just the the amount of money that a was paying and you know the all the pressure the expectations uh i mean realistically it just wasn't working out uh i mean, I mean we we talked about this you know it's you don't necessarily feel bad for the 76 million dollar man but uh the staffers and the uh you know, all the people that are they're gonna have to shake things up. It's tough business. And uh it's unfortunate. Uh I am kind of excited that Elijah Robinson was named the uh interim head coach. Uh I think that's a, a good decision. I think it'll help with recruiting as well. It's gonna be kind of one of the interesting things to watch too, right? Is uh transfer portal and recruiting. Uh we'll see, you know, if is able to hold on to what is still a good class. Uh like I said, I think I think having Coach Robinson is the interim head coach, helps that out there quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the reasons you do this early, and it's one of the reasons we're starting to see universities do this earlier and earlier. The, the first one I remember in the state being like it was the Joey McGuire thing where Texas Tech got rid of Matt Wells early, brought him in, and, and some of that is to salvage this recruiting class. With the early signing period, you don't have till February anymore to – to hire your guy in December and then they get six weeks to to salvage a class or bring some of the guys over from the previous university. If you wait until the old calendar cycle, everybody's signed and the coaches signed guy like it it becomes a a logistical nightmare. So this has to be sped up uh, more and more. You want to, you're losing recruits anyway. We spent a a couple of podcasts ago. We talked about a a couple of decommitments. And so, you know, guys were already going to get in the portal. Guys were already going to decommit. Maybe this kind of stops the 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 gap rather than then opens one up. Um Jimbo Fisher, uh just let, let's go through some of his like statistics real quick before we get into like really the, the nitty-gritty of this thing. Uh 45 and 25 overall. He was 27 and 21 in SEC play. Take away the 2020 pandemic season, and he was 36 and 24 overall, 18 and 21 in conference play. Signed that 10-year $75 million. Uh, contract ahead of 2018 and then was extended after that successful 2021 season 2020 season since then texas a&m is 19 and 15 overall 10 and 13 in the sec texas a&m hasn't run what hasn't won a road game in over two years and a 7 and 12 in the last 19 first p5 opponents i know a lot of people are shocked today because the sticker shock of the price tag of what is going on but in a world where money doesn't matter and we need to all admit that we're poor and the people that are making these decisions like this, this amount of money isn't that much to them. Like it's not it's not going to keep anybody from being fed or or being warm tonight. There was no other choice, Jay Arnold, like they had to do this, like Texas is coming into the co- to the conference. Oklahoma is coming to the conference. The playoff is expanding. Y- you had to make the decision.
0: Yeah, and and you know like you said with with the teams coming into the sec with the expanding playoffs uh it just feels like there's a lot of pressure to win right now the other thing too is like you have pieces on the roster
1: yeah you can't waste Uh, the talent
0: so if if a coach comes in here and and is the right guy he can win right away like this isn't a rebuild process right like yes there's some issues you got to fix the offensive line uh secondary uh but but this is still a very, very talented roster. Uh, and obviously you're going to have some attrition, uh, with, uh, guys leaving for transfers or, or whatever, but there's still going to be tons of talent here and and it's going to be a situation where you can win right away. And I think that's another part of what he makes this job appealing. Uh, if you're a coach is you do have a lot of talent and, uh, you know, obviously you're going to get paid quite a bit of money as well. So a uh, job
1: in America has to be,
0: has to be. And, uh, i it's mean content. obviously there's, there's uh there's pressure right like there's pressure associated with you're going to be brought in and you're going to be expected to compete for championships uh you know it, it's not going to be a uh laid-back approach but i mean division one football it never is uh yeah
1: and the downside is 76 million dollars to go ranch
0: yeah <laughs> which uh isn't isn't a bad deal that's at all. not
1: that bad that's not that's not that bad i mean it's a hard job. I'm not going to, I'm not downplaying how hard it is to be a college coach. We know enough of them. We know their schedule. Like I get it. Uh, But if you're taking that job, you're going to take a lot of crap and you're going to be under a big microscope and it's going to be ridiculous pressure. And the expectations are going to be beyond what A&M really has ever achieved before, right? Like you're being asked to do something uh, that is new in the program. This isn't like taking Alabama back to what Alabama was under previous coaches or something like that, or being the Oklahoma coach and you know what I mean? Like you are, you are trying to be kind of like what it is, at least in our generations, you know, over the last couple of times. And so uh, it's a big time job, uh, but the downside is you get paid a lot of money to go away, probably become like an analyst somewhere for a year or two, and then like go back into coaching if you want to, or just never coach again, which is, I'm assuming what I would do uh, if I was Jimbo Fisher. Uh, We're going to talk about the contract buyout and what that means and, and some specifics about that in a second. But before we move on to that, and before we kind of get into this next stage of the conversation, do you remember kind of when and why the first time you thought, you know, maybe this isn't going to work? Because I think after the nine and one season, you know, with Kellen Mond at quarterback and Elko a defense and how well they were playing defensively and how well they were recruiting, as like, man, ain't hey, ain't got this right. Like they're they're on their way up. Like they are going to be in the Alabama, LSU, Georgia conversations. Um, and I'm just curious, kind of when. That maybe wasn't true anymore for you.
0: Honestly, uh, the first time that I really started to have doubts, and it's maybe not fair to him because he's done better as the season has gone on, uh, but when Elko was replaced with DJ Durkin, uh, it was one of those hires where I was just like, "What? What? Are, I don't really know that I, I agree with that." And then, uh, I mean that that was the doubt starting to come in, and obviously Elko leaving, it, it felt like a very talented member of that staff uh, was making up for some of the deficiencies and, and the offense, I mean, the offense hasn't been fantastic for a while now. Uh, but yeah, I would say when Elka left and, and was replaced with Durkin, uh, that was really kind of the, uh, the first doubts creeping in. And then obviously uh, last year going five and seven, I mean, that was just kind of like that, that can't happen. Yeah. Uh, regardless of quarterback injuries or, or, you know, dynamics around the program.
1: You can't get paid $10 million a year and go five and seven. <laughs> you you cannot do that. Clearly you cannot do that. Uh You can't go eight and four, right? I mean, like you have to, you have to, at least not that, that can't be your ceiling. That that can't be, you know, where you're trying to get to. Um, And so I guess for me, it was, you know, 2020, I, I, was, First of all, I don't think I don't know if you were in this, boat. I never thought Jimbo Fisher was going to come win a national championship at Texas A&M. Right. Like if you listen to the Florida State side enough, you kind of know what the deal is. I think we're learning that lesson again with Lincoln Riley, like the boots on the ground. know, And maybe some of it is jilted love. Right. When you're when your ex leaves and you're talking some mess. But there's some underlying truth there. And for Florida State fans and guys that covered that program, gals that covered that program, they weren't that upset that he was walking out the door, right? Like, yeah, that was that was as much a mutual parting ways as anything. The recruiting had fallen off. And it felt like you're hiring a guy for what he was rather than what he's going to be or what he is at the moment. But when he goes nine and one with Kellen Mond and you know was in the argument for getting in the college football playoff and had that kind of year, and the defense seemed to be figuring out the recruiting is going that way. You're like, okay, like I, I you know, I'm not gonna be a hater. I can get on board here and then like watch this for what it is. And then 2021 happens and Haynes King gets hurt so early in the season, the defense continues to play r- really well and you can go, well, you know, freak stuff happens. Like he thought he had his quarterback. The guy gets hurt. What are you going to do? Zach Calzada, you know, won a couple games. They beat Alabama, like the skills there, they signed the best recruiting class of all time. Like I'm still on board with, you know, maybe Jimbo's going to do this thing. And then 2022, I think, I guess it was the app state game probably. Yeah. Uh, where it was just like, Wait, what? Like that? That is what it is. Like that, that is that is what the gift is when you open up the box. Like that is what is being revealed. The way App State get, won that game too, it wasn't very fluky. Like they beat them in a way uh, that you shouldn't get physically beaten uh, if you're Texas A&M playing against App State. So I guess for me, that was really when it went downhill. And then once it did, it felt so obvious so quickly. Like once you started seeing the cracks, like the the way that they got bigger and bigger and so obvious to everybody on the outside. Was the biggest sign.
0: Yeah, it's like a it was like an iceberg, right? Where it's yeah. just kind of like. Have ever seen Ice Age? Yes,
1: exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> oh man! So let's talk about the buyout real quick, because when you, I think that's the the biggest surprise here. If you took if this buyout was a normal buyout, like if this was a twenty million dollar buyout, I don't think anybody would be in blinking an eye. I think everybody in the industry would have had this story loaded and ready to publish like a week or two ago, right? But when you see seventy-six million dollars, uh, that's that's an insane amount of money. Like that's GDP at a lot of countries, right? Like that's that's a lot of money. Um, but I think the caveat is again, we did, we did this a couple of weeks when I was like, it's only ten million dollars if you keep, you know, uh, they only owe twenty percent within thirty days. So like, they only have to pull together twenty million dollars. Need I remind everybody, SMU pulled together hundred million dollars in a week to offset ACC television deal money. a has got $20 million, probably like laying in a sofa somewhere uh, in an old building. Uh, so they owe 20% over 30 days. And then the rest is just due annually through 30, 30, 20, for the next eight years. Kind of a Bobby Bonilla situation for those that are familiar with that contract. <laughs> they know. Bobby they have, day. Yeah, they owe Jimbo $7.2 million a year for the next eight years. So if you're the Aggies, if you're like a big donor, you're a billionaire, you got all this oil and gas money and and you're you know playing GM for your favorite football team, right? You're Jerry Jones of the Aggies. Uh, You just have to like picture this thing that you're paying the next coach $13 million a year. That's essentially how you have to like wrap your mind around this being okay. And when you do it that way and you think about how much money these people have and how many people at A&M have that kind of money, I don't think it's something that's going to handicap the next hire is what I'm trying to say here. They, they don't have to go cheap coming up because they owe this guy $7.2 million. If, they, if Urban Meyer wants to come on down, if Dan Lanning wants to come on down, we'll talk about those names in a second, they'll find the money for whatever coach they can possibly hire.
0: Yeah, I, I don't see that being an issue. Like, And again, I think with the timing of it, they know who they're going after uh, and they and will pull the money together pretty quickly. Uh, and you know, on the NIL side of things, that's not going to slow down any. This isn't going to be... Again, uh, I don't think, you know, like average people like us really have a grasp on the kind of money that uh that these folks have and and, and you know what may be a drop in the bucket to them is you know, life changing stuff for us. But uh it it's a deal where look, they're gonna part of it is is they just enjoy like being able to exert the money, right? Yeah, like you gotta part of this thing. <laughs> Which I get. I would be the same way. Uh But yeah, like this this buyout is not going to be an issue whatsoever. Uh, I think they'll still pay the next guy a lot of money. They'll still keep the NIL going strong, and and uh, it'll be business as usual from the uh, monetary side.
1: Before we talk about potential candidates, what would you meddle in if you had a billion dollars? Oh man, like what thing would you kind of like exert yourself into? Like I would make UTSA into a real power, like UTSA football. We'd be coming, right? We'd be stealing people from AM and yeah. in Texas. We, we'd be reverse Unoing uh, the college football world. Um, that was that's what I would do. I'd probably also buy some of Liverpool.
0: Yeah, I would. I would go the soccer route as well, and probably get Tottenham. Uh, Actually, Simpson. I'd probably just
1: take over Austin FC. Let me re let me recap my answer there. I would just become <laughs> the Austin FC billionaire guy. There you go, and then you can have Messi
0: and and, and guys exactly. come play for play exactly. for Austin FC. I can get Mo
1: Salah over here.
0: Yeah. I, I might buy the UFC and, and just like go. go go to events all the time.
1: Yeah. That's a good one. That's a
0: good one. Yeah. And, and that one would, will make would money for like, you too. Yes, it would. And then I I might like hire my own trainers too and then just like give myself a title fight. There for the you go.
1: Yeah, there you I, go. Zuckerberg it. Uh, he's gonna do that one day. He's gonna have a title there one day. Him and Dana. I bet you anything. Mark my words right now. Mark Zuckerberg does some kind of UFC thing within the next five years. Like some kind of something.
0: They're gonna make up some kind of title, like they did the the BMF yeah. belt. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll be something. Uh, him and you know him and Elon will battle it out at some point. Elon will lose enough money in Twitter. Well, he'll figure it, I don't know. They're gonna put chips in our brain, so it doesn't matter. Let's go to the potential candidate. I read that story. That was on Apple News. Uh he like that's a real thing. Like uh uh Elon Musk is going to start putting chips in people's brains, but I think it's like a health thing. Anyway, we'll, we'll have to research that. I just read the headline. Uh, <laughs> let's move. Let's move to the potential candidates here. Uh just off, you know, like this isn't us reporting anything. Like this is very very early on in the process. Like I've heard some whispers, but it's like third-count information stuff, right? Um and some of it's obvious as well. So, like, who are the first couple of names that because we've already talked about how when the timing happens like this, we assume that somebody is essentially lined up. You know, some agents have been talked to, some numbers have been discussed, like some some something has been, you know, out there, right? Floating here. Um, who are some of the names that you think everybody needs to know?
0: Yeah, I mean, Mike Elko, I think, is the most obvious one. Yeah. Uh, I think he's probably gonna be one of the top guys. Uh, it sounds like I mean, again, this is secondhand information, but it sounds like Dan Landing is is possibly a factor in the search. Uh, I personally don't see him leaving Eugene, uh, but you never know. Uh, I called that Jeff Trailer. Yeah, you did. You did. Uh, Jeff Trailer, just because he's successful in the state of Texas. Uh, I, can we talk are... about
1: those? Can we talk about those three individually, real quick? Absolutely. Okay. You're selling you're selling AM on a hire, right? Why why hire Mike Elko? Uh
0: success previously at AM coaching the defense and immediate success at Duke in turning around a program. Uh plus like he he knows he knows AM. he he's been here. Uh, there's some cultural aspects already for him. Uh and then I don't I like I think he would also be good with the recruiting. Uh, I think he can keep some of the guys on staff, like you know, obviously, Elijah Robinson is, is a guy that I would like to see a and retain. I think mm-hmm. uh, I think Elko coming on staff or uh, coming into the head coaching job would, would be beneficial to keeping Elijah Robinson around.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's almost like the in-house hire. Um, you, you would keep continu- continuity. I think you would keep a lot of the defensive guys for sure. Uh, I bet he would hold on to a couple of the assistants, bring some of the assistants back maybe that helped recruit some of those guys. Um, and so uh, that would almost be like not a continuation. Uh, But you wouldn't have to rebuild the whole house. And as we've discussed, this team can be really good in 2024 if they figure this out right. And so uh, Elko feels like a way to not start completely over. Uh, What would be the selling point on Dan Lanning? In my opinion, that is the home run higher. Like if Texas A&M, I'm with you. I I don't think that Dan Lanning would leave Eugene for Texas A&M. I think he would for maybe Alabama when Saban left or you know, maybe Georgia if Kirby left or something like, But I, I don't know if it would be A&M. Uh, but my selling point for Dan Lanning would be young guy, SEC ties, no Saban, no smart, defensive-minded dude, tough nose. I mean, look what he's doing in Oregon. Like, to me, he feels like a no-brainer. Yeah, uh,
0: all the stuff that you said, uh, again, with the energizing, uh, the young energizing coach, I think that would be a, a big factor at AM. and uh, m you know, I, I didn't talk about it with Elko, but it, the same is true for him. a uh, and last four coaches, I think, have all been offensive-minded coaches. Uh, uh, so there's definitely a push with AM fans that they would like to see a defensive-minded coach. Uh, and then the other thing with with Lanning is he's been great recruiting at Oregon, right? Like, uh, you know, with, with Duke and Mike Elko, you're not going to get as much recruiting uh, whereas like the budget and everything with Oregon, like it, it's still kind of a flashy recruiting style. Uh, you're going to get big time recruits and, and maybe that, you know, helps out. And obviously, Elko's been at AM, so he's familiar with the recruiting process here. But, uh, I think there's something to be said for recruiting as a head coach at Oregon versus recruiting as a head coach at Duke
1: you also probably presumably bring in will Stein to run the offense and and that thing's been rocking and rolling at UTSA and now at Oregon Stein's got a lot of Texas connections he was a high school coach uh, for a couple of years at Lake Travis and so uh, I, I just think that would be if you again there's a lot of variables and you know you're not this is not a video game you're not allowed to just go take Dan Lanning right like he he has a choice in this thing too but like if, if you're just allowed to like you know, pick your guy. I think Dan, because I believe in the whole ex-girlfriend replacement theory of head coaches, where you go the opposite of the one you're just, you know, leaving or has just left you. And to your point, they've gone offense, offense, offense. I think they need to get back to being like the wrecking crew, uh, blue collar, anti-Texas type of like team. And who better to do that than Dan Lanning or Mike Elko? Like, I I think that's why those two guys, uh, would be my top two choices on the board here, and then let's talk about Jeff Trailer. Uh, three state titles uh, as a high school football coach at Gilmer, which is you know in East Texas. He's a he's a local guy knows the knows the environment out there, knows the culture, knows the people, knows the community, uh, and clearly, incredibly liked in the Texas high school coaching community. Uh, the recruiting would probably be off the charts. He's a winner. Um, I think he's twenty five and three now in conference play as a collegiate head coach. Two conference titles and four full seasons. Like and at UTSA, that's incredible. Like I, for people who don't know that that's never been done, obviously, for a program that was about nine years old when you took it over. Uh, what would be your selling point for trailer? Uh, getting back in good graces with the Texas High School Coaches Association would
0: be yeah. a big part of that. Uh you know, I think the the locality of it and 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 being able to have those relationships in Texas. I think would be a massive selling point for trailer. Uh And also, like you said, he's he's a winner, right? Like he's won every step of the way, uh, doing great things at UTSA. Obviously, that's a program that, you know, in, into a new conference and they're still undefeated in conference, right? Like immediately uh, a factor in, in the American. Uh, I think the biggest question, right, is the level of, of, of college football yep. going from UTSA to Texas A&M would be a big jump. Uh, I personally think he's ready. For a power five job. Uh, but I'm sure that there's some people out there that would rather see him go, go to uh, a smaller power five before he makes a jump to AM. Uh, but again, like for for maybe some of the goodwill that was lost with AM as far as Jimbo Fisher, uh, you know, maybe not necessarily maintaining those relationships with with Texas High School football coaches, uh, I think trailer is a great way to get back in those good graces.
1: I'm curious how much you put stock in the one of us situation of coaches, right? Like how much does it matter? Like, would it be good for Texas A&M to have like a dude who was East Texas through, I mean, like he would have one press conference and you, like everybody would think that was their uncle as their head coach. Like they, everybody knows Jeff Trailer, right? Like everybody who's been in East, like everybody knows a Jeff Traylor. Um, And so he would, how 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 because like Jimbo's an outsider, right? Like Jimbo Jimbo's not an East Texan, you know. Um, you know he always got made fun of for our cover on the on the magazine with the boots. You know, like every coach would always ask me like if we brought those boots for him, right, and stuff like that. Like, yeah. like how much stock do you put in a And M trying to get back to hiring like a good old boy Texan that would fit in, um, and or do you just go and hire the best guy?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you hire the best guy, whoever you think is going to take your team to a, a, a
1: highly competitive level right away. And trailer uh, may be the best guy. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, you know, you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, uh, and, and I'm sure they're gonna like. I'm sure they've done their due process, and you know, I mean, I say that there's also just a chance they go off the wall, ridiculous, and hire somebody. <laughs> uh, we'll
1: get to those names.
0: Yeah, uh, but <laughs> I, I think I think you just hire the best guy and and whoever you think is the best fit. Uh, obviously I mean, you're gonna have your massive SWOT analysis going right, the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats and whatnot. because uh, it, it at the end of the day it is a business when you're when you're a head football coach in, in college, it's it's your're CEO. So uh, it, it's I mean, it's gonna be an interesting process. I mean as a fan, coaching searches are always terrifying. Because it's the unknown, right? Like you're trading the devil, you know, uh, and then there's so much change that could go on. Obviously, that uh, you want to get it over with as quick as possible. But uh, again, I think you just have to try to hire the best guy that you can.
1: It's my favorite thing. Uh, I love, <laughs> love, <laughs> I love coaching. Yeah, from, from a
0: from a journalistic standpoint, it's great. But oh, yeah. from a fan standpoint, yeah.
1: absolutely terrifying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. I think there's something to be said about just being a winning head coach. Like we've seen it with Chris Kleiman at Kansas state, uh, Lance Leibold, another name I'd want to throw out there for this A&M job. Like if you can win, you can win, you can win. Right. Like I just think that carries over. Like, you know how to run a program, you know how to be a head coach, you know how to handle all the headaches, you know how to handle all the distractions. He's done it at every single level he's ever been at. Uh, I agree that he's probably, probably needs to go to a a Baylor or an Oklahoma state or an Arkansas or something like that before he would get what we, I think both agree is a top 10 job in the country. But if you hired Jeff trailer, you'd never get him out of there. You know, like he would go win, you know, like you gave him a year or two, he'd win. Cause that's what he does. Right. Like that's what these guys do. Um, I think Lance Leipold has the same, like that's the same. That would be the same argument for me for Lance Leipold is, if you can win at the D2 level, you can win at the FCS level, you can win at freaking Kansas. Imagine what you could do at Texas A&M. Like, that would be the only thing I think I would need to say to sell Lance Leipold.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest question with those guys, too, though, is, is the recruiting aspect. Trailer, I think, would do great just because of all the Texas high school con- uh, connections. Uh, Leipold, I think, would the biggest question mark for me would be the recruiting set of things. Just because you ha- like, yes, very successful at Kansas, but you have to recruit at a different level uh, playing in the SEC.
1: Is that up to the head coach as much as who he surrounds himself with. Cause like, couldn't I say like Lance Leopold gets to Texas A&M. He just goes, hires Rashad samples from Arizona state. And like those kind of get, and like he just recruits whoever the hell he wants to. Right. I mean, it's A&M. Like, I feel like I could recruit five-star guys. and am. Am I wrong? Is that, <laughs> is that wrong? Am I, and well, am I, am I simplifying how recruiting works? I just feel like nowadays with the NIL and what A&M is and a hundred thousand people in Kyle field and the sec, like you and I, could put together a top 10 class who knows if it would be developed and turn into anything we'd probably have a lot of busts but like we could put together what the recruiting dorks thought was a top 10 class for sure
0: a hundred percent uh but i i do think that there's certain elements to it right like surround like you you do still have to make the decision to surround yourself with the right people and that does fall in the head coach so you know i i again i don't know too much about Obviously, he's been successful everywhere he's been from from D3 up to now at Kansas. Uh, and I, I mean, I would be happy with him because it seems like he's a very liked guy. But uh, the recruiting question, you find out a lot with the early hires, right? Like uh, what, what guys do you bring on? Uh, indicates pretty quickly how, how seriously you're taking recruiting.
1: Another name I would reach out to is C- Chris Kleiman at kansas state for similar reasons like i just i again i just believe that if you can win you can win right like if yeah. you can win at those places like what you could do with the resources at texas a like i don't know it just seems like uh, that'll be a thing uh but i think then it gets kind of fun like we can get into like actual fun names at this point Like i think those are more realistic names that are probably going to be the head coach but this is where i would like to take the conversation um if I could be weird and I didn't care what people thought, I guess I've already said that I would hire Dan Lanning if I had the checkbook, but I honestly, I think my real answer it would be I'd probably just go hire Urban Meyer.
0: <laughs> I would go hire Dan Campbell uh, from the Detroit Lions. Yeah,
1: okay. I didn't really, yeah, I guess so. Like, you think Dan Campbell would leave the NFL?
0: <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, I don't think so either. Every, would, every NFL never coach leave. I've ever talked to has said that going from like college to the NFL is so much easier because oh, of man. the recruiting aspect and like yeah, exactly. you have so much you have so much more time. Uh most of the NFL guys when they get to the NFL they stay in the NFL if they can. What are your thoughts on Urban Meyer? Uh not a fan personally. Uh as a human <laughs> or as a head coach? Yes. Uh, <laughs> obviously like very very successful uh at Utah and then at Florida and then at Ohio State. Uh Jacksonville was a disaster
1: uh <laughs> yeah but like nick saban was a disaster in the nfl too like i don't really matt rule was stunk in the nfl i don't hold the nfl against these college coaches like i yeah, get the but, I but get the, the personality thing and like who urban is like i'm not here to yeah, for urban it's, it's the yeah. <laughs> it's the
0: it's the like saban and and rule weren't successful uh but it's the absolute collapse uh the way it just kind of torpedoed with urban uh in Jacksonville and and everything that went on behind the scenes right like ruling and Saban didn't have these huge scandals uh that's a <laughs> and, that's a fair I mean, point to be fair like AM does have uh adasio and and and, Dirk and 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 petrino on staff so i mean AM would has proven that they don't really care too much about that it's
1: the perfect market to do it in like if anybody could yeah. do it it's texas AM. Like it, it, you can be insular. You don't have to do that many interviews. You don't have a ton of national media because it's a, a little bit harder to get to a big airport and stuff. Like you can, you could do it if you wanted to. Like, I wonder if A&M Booster is like behind, because like Baylor fans already want Art Briles back, right? Like it only takes a little bit of losing for you're willing to sell your soul to the devil. I was there covering this at the Statesman when Texas fans were lobbying for Urban Meyer, because if you lose long enough or if you're average long enough, you just want to win. And I yep. know that it's a deal with the devil, quite literally. But you'd win. And I do wonder if that matters more in this situation than anything else. Because we know this is because Texas is entering the SEC and the 12-team playoff and all that kind of stuff. I'm not trying to get like into any morals or political stuff or anything like that. But if you want it bad enough, there is a guy out there without a job that all he does, I mean, the last eight seasons, he was a college football coach. They won 10 plus games at Ohio State. That gets you in the college football playoff every time. If you're AM and you go 10 and 2, you are in the college football playoff every single year. I-, I wonder. I wonder. That's all I'm saying, Jay Arnold. I wonder. Oh, and and I
0: would not put it past uh, the powers that be at all. Uh, I think they would – I don't think anything's off the table, to be honest with you.
1: <laughs> All right, how about another one then? Another one that uh, that would be fun. Uh, this would be the most entertaining uh, hire that AM could make. Uh, you think Deion Sanders uh, would listen to a phone call from Texas A&M, and do you think Texas A&M would give a phone call to Deion Sanders if interested? I think Deion
0: would absolutely listen, but I don't I think do – I don't think is gonna make that call because I think some of the shine is worn off uh with yeah. everything. This would have been a lot more fun three weeks ago, four weeks yep. ago for sure. Uh you know, obviously with, with some of the stuff that happened at Colorado and then and it looks like that team's not gonna go bowling. Uh you know, the loss to Arizona. Uh kinda kinda makes it hard to believe that Colorado's gonna find a few more wins and, and get to bowl eligibility. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think Prime would listen. I just don't think that uh I don't think AM's gonna make that call now.
1: I think some other names. Uh, you know, Mike Norvell uh could be a possibility of Florida State. Uh maybe <laughs> you get him out of there. I've seen his name thrown around by by a few people. That would uh, be hilarious. You know, I think a name that we haven't talked about that we should probably Willie Fritz. Yeah. Um, Tulane head coach, he was at Sam Houston, you know, for a while. So obviously, you know, knows the area or whatever. Um, so I you know, I think. Texas A and M won't be short of candidates, and as we've talked about, there already may be a far and away favorite behind the scenes that's just kind of ready for the the right time to announce whatever that is. But that would lead me to believe that it would be an Elko, um, just because like Dan Lanning's in the middle of a college football playoff run. Um, you know, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what the timing of this thing is because the sooner it happens, the better for the short-term success of the 2024 season. And this feels like a decision that was made not in spite of 2024, but in some ways because of the potential of 2024 and not wanting to waste that year.
0: Yeah, I think, I think you look at the class and, and, and the talent that a and has, and uh, the decision was made with winning in 2024 in mind.
1: All right, Jay, uh unless there's anything else you want to point out or talk about or air out about uh Jimbo Fisher um getting fired from Texas AM um on November twelfth on a Sunday morning. You know, can't even can't even hang. Man, what a tough day to get fired. What day of the week would you least get to would you least want to be fired on? Um you know, Sunday's gotta be up there. Like I just wanted to chill on a Sunday. Now you got stress. Probably Friday. Like you made me work the whole week. Uh yeah, and I then, and then you fire me. That would kind of suck. I definitely wouldn't wouldn't want to get fired after a 51 to 10 win. That's for sure. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? That's that's still wild. Like again, absolute blowout, mud stopping uh win over Mississippi State. How do how do you think Mississippi State feels?
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Uh that head coach is is next, probably. Um, you know why you do this though, jokes aside, this is why this happens. You don't want them to win out and uh, make it to where there's a conversation on if you should fire him or not. Yeah, um, I learned that with the Matt Wells Texas Tech thing because I they were like six and one when the rumors started happening that they were going to fire Matt Wells, and then he lost like one game, dropped to six and two, and they fired him. And it's like, what the heck? That's that's like insane, right? And the the reason was you know, they didn't want him to win eight or nine games, and then everybody's like, well, you know, you, you won nine games, you won a bowl game, like you got to keep him. Like yeah. this was this was as much to because they're going to win next week against Abilene Christian. And then who knows? The LSU series has always been wild and weird. You mess around and you beat LSU. Now you're eight and four. And like, now it's hard to fire them. Now, now there's, now there's going to be questions about it. So I think it was one of those pull the, pull the ripcord now in case they figure it out. And it it makes the decision uh, more palatable.
0: Yeah. I don't disagree with you. Uh, I, I, I was thinking that like, it's, it's it's a double fold where like if you went out and it makes the decision a little bit worse uh after it went against lsu and then also like we talked about earlier with the early recruiting period yeah Uh, both of those make it where you want to make the decision as soon as you can
1: yep all righty bud um it looks like you had a lot of fun in Nacogdoches. Um, I was uh, I was at Texas TCU last night. I walked out of that press box like midnight. Got to my hotel at one. I can't sleep in. Thank goodness I can't. I'm getting old and I can't sleep in. Mike Craven five six years ago would have slept right through this news. Um, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad I wake up a little bit earlier now. Was able to see that. Uh, how was the uh, Nacogdoches trip? I had a
0: blast. Uh, you know, one of my old teammates Kirby Ennis is on staff there. Uh, so I got to talk to him, uh, talked a little bit with coach Carthel, who, uh, I'm a He's, big fan of Dude, Carthel's the best man. He's great, I love that. Yeah. Uh, and, and everybody at, at in Nacogdoches treated me right. Uh, got to go to the Fredonia brewery. That was really good. Uh, maybe too good. Some might say, uh, and then, I mean, it, it was just, it was a good time. And, and NAC NAC is actually a, a cool little, little town. Uh, there's yep. a lot of history there. Uh, so it was. I had a blast, and and I would definitely go back to SFA. Uh, you know, it's tough season for those guys, right? They they're struggling a little bit. Uh, but I think that a turnaround can happen next year, and it'll be a fun place to be. uh Also, just kind of interested to see what they do with that with that conference, right? Where the WAC and the ASUN kind of came together. Uh, obviously, there's some uh there's some plans there for that conference, uh, football wise. So, uh should be interesting to, to kind of see what happens with that. But, yeah, I, I highly recommend going to SFA
1: if you get a chance. First place I ever tried chocolate-covered bacon. <laughs> uh, my little brother, this is a true story. My little brother played college football at Southeastern Louisiana. I got in some legal trouble uh, right after college, so I wasn't allowed to leave the state without putting up, like, $2,500 just in case I never came back. They would use that money to, like, bring you back whatever you got caught or whatever. Uh, And I was a poor journalist, you know, just out of college. I didn't really have twenty five hundred dollars. So I could only really see Hunter play uh, when he played against teams within uh, the state of Texas. And one of those back in the Southland days uh, was uh, SFA. And so I remember like going to SFA to watch him play a football game. And beforehand, I stopped at a little place to eat there in Nacogdoches, which you're right. is a really cool town out in East Texas. Had some chocolate covered bacon. Uh, I don't think it was all that great, uh, but it was interesting, and I enjoyed the first few seconds of it, and then not the rest of it. I don't know if you've ever had chocolate-covered bacon, but it doesn't doesn't sit very well.
0: No, see, I would go with, like, a honey bacon. I wouldn't go with chocolate as a sweetener on on bacon. Had to
1: try it, though. I mean, mean, you see it on a menu, you got to go with it. What can you do? Yeah, I was only human. I was, like, 26 years old. Like, I was going to eat some chocolate. (laughs) All right, bud. Uh thank you for uh being flexible there and joining me on this Sunday uh uh, emergency edition of the Aggie War pod. Um didn't talk a lot about the football game on Saturday, but of course there was some bigger news there. And uh we will talk amongst ourselves if we're gonna do kind of a lead-in for ACU. I would I would imagine this is our podcast for the week, and uh we'll be back uh to preview the LSU game or if something crazy happens with this head coaching search faster than we think it will be will be. Uh, We'll get back on there. Yeah. could be another emergency podcast, right? (laughs) Yeah. We could be back here Tuesday or Wednesday if this thing goes down quickly. Uh, We'll kind of play that by ear. Uh, For Jay Arnold, for Mike Craven, for the Republic of Football, and Dave Campbell's Texas Football, we will talk to you next time.